Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com and find them at FDIC at booth 2540. This podcast is brought to you by Flex 7 from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of Enforced Technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tenkatafabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced Technology, only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to Straight Talk. Uh, my name is Dan DeGrice. I'm one of the hosts. My co-host is Rob Fisher. And today you get the uh, extreme privilege of uh, hearing about the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Mike Duque, who I'll introduce in a second. Um, but I'd be, re- be remiss if I didn't acknowledge uh, the reason I asked Mike to be here and somebody that's a big part of all of our lives, many of you that are going to be listening, uh, Bobby Halton. Uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, he always joined us on this uh, hour that we had um, whenever we were on for Straight Talk. And while he wouldn't necessarily talk about it much uh, elsewhere, uh, behavioral health, mental health was an important piece to his, his person and the people that were close to him. And who better than to kind of uh, take the stage here today, but my good friend and uh, Rob's good friend, Mike Dugan, and, and Bobby's probably uh, best friend. Sorry for the the telephone. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to introduce uh, my co-host, Rob Fisher. Hey, Danny, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I did ask you how you were doing a few minutes ago, and I didn't get the answer that I wanted. So you, yeah. you tell us how you're doing. Well, I'll just say I'm, you know, I've had some struggles this last uh, few weeks with uh, work-related stuff, but uh, I'll say on the personal side of things, I'm home in Vegas with my wife. And um, for those that don't know, I live in Vegas and work up in the Seattle area. And uh, so I'm home in Vegas with the wife. I get, it just, we just came back from church with uh, one of the granddaughters was singing at church right before the show. So um, I get a full um fulfill of grandkids and seeing the kids and everything so uh, life is good i'll just i'll say that and then on the note of of um captain dugan here um i first got to meet captain dugan through the fools and then i was uh, privileged to be asked by the founders to um, become the training trustee education guy and uh and i was feeling the shoes literally and figuratively of mike dugan and uh what an honor uh to step in and and do that and so i haven't seen captain dugan since uh probably the last time i was at fdic but uh 
It's great to have him on the show. I'm not going to ask Mike right now what size shoe he wears, but Rob, I'm going to assume your shoe is a little smaller than Big Mike's. Um, with that said, let's just let's just say this: I kept my I, I kept my shoes on when I put on his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not his boots, just his shoes. Um, well, Mike, thanks for being here. Uh, for all of you that don't, if you don't know Mike, uh, shame on you. If if you do know Mike, you know Mike. Um, He's a larger-in-life uh, figure, uh, retired out of FDNY, spent 27 years in the FDNY and retired at, uh, out of, as a captain out of ladder 123. I always think it's interesting because in the Midwest, we start with a number or, or, or you know, and they, they do it backwards, but, um, or 123 truck, right? I don't know how you guys... <laughs> we do truck, you know, 23 or, or 13 and you guys do it the other way, but that's okay. Um, you got 11 years in retirement and thank you for being on the show. Where do we find Mike Dugan today? Um, still involved a little bit. Uh, I am trying to slow the cart down. Um, it has been a wonderful ride, but as I was very honored uh, to get the Lifetime Achievement Award from uh, Bobby Halton in um, 2021, and um, as I said in that speech, you know, I've carried the torch for a while, and it's time for some young blood to step up and start carrying the torch, and we need the younger men and women in the fire service to be willing to step up and put themselves out there. And I find from um, every everybody out there that I see that a lot of these young guys and girls are a little afraid to do that, I think. And I think it's because we're in the age of social media. When we all, when I started, there was no social media. Nobody was nitpicking behind, at you from behind a keyboard. And so, I mean, um, Right now, I'm I'm slowing down. I'm going, still going, doing classes, but I stopped working in the city. I got my wife to retire. So we're going to spend a lot of time trying to spend our kids' inheritance. I don't know if we're going to have any luck, but we're going to try like hell to spend our kids' inheritance. So that's, it's really, it's, I'm in a very good place. Well, that's, that's good to hear. I know Rob's going to have a comment about spending his kid's life, his uh, inheritance. And I think that's a good thing. Um, honestly, I didn't think about that until Rob mentioned it to me. And to hear you say that, I actually mentioned it to my wife is um, you, you work for 30, 40, 50 years, right? And um, you probably started with nothing and you have something. Um, are we doing the right thing by setting ourselves, our, our kids up with more than what we had? And I won't get into that discussion. You did take one of my things away of the Lifetime, Lifetime Achievement Award, being at FDIC last year, seeing you there. I remember actually you were one of the first people that um, came up to me prior to my keynote, because I think you had done it and, yeah, I mean, you're what six, six four, six five, six five. Yeah, and 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 a few lbs, right? I'm not saying, yeah. uh, but a, a big man. So, I don't think the average person that sees you from a distance knows 
how kind-hearted you are and how, how really truly thoughtful you are. Um, you gave a, when you talked up there about your Lifetime Achievement Award, you talked about the greatest achievement you've ever had really is your family and, and, and your kids, which I don't want to make you emotional now, but you got emotional up there, which I think everybody got emotional and probably got a little surprised by it too, but really kind of like the, the men and women in the fire service and our families, those are the biggest assets we have. But a lot of times we don't always treat them as such. Not to say you, but in, in general. No, I agree wholeheartedly. So what I wanted to ask you, uh, and I know that, Rob, I won't forget about the, um, you know, spending your inheritance or your, your, your kid's inheritance. I know some things that motivate you, but what doesn't, the, what, what, is the, what is the public, what is the average person that, that hears Mike Dugan's name not know that motivates him? Um, again, my family, of course, and it's my wife and kids. But what you guys didn't see is I'm one of six. I've got five brothers and sisters. And we're all, well, one of us is still in their 50s, but the rest of us are in our 60s. And one of us is getting in cl real close to their 70s. And um, we still get together. And we still like each other. And it's amazing. And we make time for each other. And we have a family tradition that I think is one of the most awesome things in the world. And if one of my brothers and sisters turns 60, the other five have to show up to you for a meal. And then if one of us turns 70, you can pick anywhere you want to go. And the other five, if it's in the continental United States, the other five have to show up. If it's outside of the continental United States, it's up to them if they want to show up. But you can pick anywhere you want to go. Your lifetime, this is my dream trip. This is where I want to go. Okay, I'm going there for my 70th birthday. Who wants to come? Okay, and I got family who's like, a lot of times they're like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. So in October, uh, we are getting together. In August, my oldest sister turns 70. And the following January, my youngest brother turns 60. They combined theirs and we're renting a massive log home in the North Georgia mountains for five nights and the six of us will be together. And just so family motivates me. Right now, my wife and traveling and going around and seeing the world with my wife. We have got a couple of trips planned. Um, we are going down to the Bahamas for our 37th wedding anniversary. And I uh, can't wait to do that with her. Um, and, you know, I upgraded to everything we could for her. I mean, 37 years of putting up with my crap. And really, in September, it will be 43 we've been together. So, I mean, she deserves everything I can give her. So those are the things that motivate me. Um, it also motivates me to see people doing good in the world. I mean, I think the world is right now politics and all that other stuff. I'm not going to get into any of that, but I think the world is screwed up. I have uh, things that I love to do that motivate me every year. Uh, my wife and I uh, adopt a military family um, for Christmas. 
And because of the pandemic, it's been gift cards for the last couple of years. But before the pandemic, my favorite thing was going and we get it, uh, you know, you got a 10 year old girl who likes pink and we go shopping. And I had more fun doing that than anything else. Get that, get that, that's enough. No, 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 get that, get that, get that. Throw it in there, throw it in there. So we adopt that and we also adopt my, my youngest daughter is a um, school social worker and she works at school and we adopt a family in the school and just to contribute to the local community. Um, so I like being able to give back because the, I've been blessed. I am in a place where, I mean, you know, um, I'm just doing very well and I'm happy. And so it just, it gives me pleasure to give back. And the other thing that I do for me all the time is I read. Um, I have books all over the place. Um, my friend Bobby Halton and I used to read books together. And I love that. I'm going to miss him. But he really did get me. The last thing he got me into was a series called Threads of the West. And I read the first book and I went, wow, this is great. I read the second book. And then I look at the back of the book. Son of a bitch, if the guy isn't planning 31 books, okay, 31 <laughs> books. So that's some series Bobby hooked me up on. But, okay, I love reading. So it's good. I'm reading a book now. I just um, finished uh, a great book uh, called Fate is the Hunter about pilots. Uh, and this guy started flying before uh, World War II, commercial airlines, and talks about the things that went wrong with the pilots. And the first four pages of the book are people that he flew with who died in plane crashes. So Fate's the Hunter. And for us in the fire service, that book so equates to the fire service that you can do everything right and still get killed on this job. So, you know, look at the poor kid who just got killed in West Texas in that um, accident where the tractor trailer hit the cars right. and the apparatus killed him. He survived the 2013 explosion right. in the fertilizer plant. And this is how he ends up going out. I mean, fate is the hunter. So I like reading. I like being involved and seeing things that are going on. And I also very, um, I, I like right now, I'm going back and reading a lot of the stuff that I had to read as a kid that I really didn't like. I just read uh, Cannery Row again. I read um, To Kill a Mockingbird, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and uh, Last of the Mohicans, just for to go back and read them because I really didn't read them with the mind I have now. So that's the kind of thing that I do. And I enjoy that. And I enjoy my life. Mike, you said uh, you guys are traveling a lot and you being Irish. Have you gone back to Ireland? We have gone back to Ireland. I want to go back again. Um, we went to Portugal, which I loved. Mm -hmm. I would go back to Portugal in a heartbeat. We want to do uh, Italy and Greece. And we were looking at a cruise, but it goes up into the Black Sea. And right now we're not going anywhere near the mm -hmm. Black Sea. Um, but yeah, we're looking at Ireland. I want to go back. But very honestly, um, I say this all the time. My wife doesn't like how I drive. And a lot of married men understand that but I'm not driving on the wrong side of the road and having her yell at me too. So when we go to Ireland, I get a driver. 
you know, somebody to take us around and drive us around. And we've done Ireland and gone across the country on a train and had a lot of fun doing it. And I'm looking forward to going back and doing it again. Yes. Yeah. My, you know, obviously those that know me, my wife and I, we do a lot of traveling. We just got back from Italy uh, last month. And, um, but Portugal is on our list. That's one of the places we're looking for. I, I just want to cover some of the comments that were coming in. Uh, Anthony Avillo, he wanted to say, uh, hi, boys. Glad to see you, Mike. And Kenny Church, keep up the good work, Big Mike. Uh, we have learned a lot from you. Enjoy your retirement, pal. Um, so, we, you know, we talked about, uh, Danny brought up, you had 27 years with the FDNY, probably the best fire department in, in the world, um, at least one of the best. Uh, do you have any regrets of all those years of service? Anything that uh, you hang on to? Yeah, yeah. I think we all have regrets. And I, if you don't, I think you're a narcissist. But uh, sometimes some of the way I treated people. Um, maybe I didn't find out what was going on. Uh, maybe I jumped. I went from being in that thinking mind to being in that emotional mind. And I let my emotions take over. And I didn't think it through. And a couple of times I screwed up relationships and I screwed up. Um, I might have screwed up some people along the way. And those those bother me. That I wasn't adult enough, man enough um, to realize that and back off that. And sometimes uh, it happens, but it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. So um, I really sometimes wish whenever I was going to do something that was not spur of the moment, I took time to step back and look at the total picture. I truly wish I did because I probably hurt some people and damaged um, them and maybe my reputation. And I don't know that, but you know, I always tried to be right but I always, I wasn't always right. And I wasn't always uh, smart about things I did. Yeah, I know I, I've known you for, what, about eight years now, Mike? Um, and I've always known you to be one that manages your emotion. It's interesting that you say something like the, the, the rational mind and the emotional mind. That's something we try to teach people in the world of uh, recovery, but we don't really, we never talk about that in the fire service from a leadership standpoint or from a management standpoint from what we're exposed to. I, I could probably say in that, again, knowing you for a long, long time, that I don't think your intent was uh, to harm anybody or to be aggressive but we were never taught some of the things we've learned in the last 10 years of our life that we, we should have known. But I certainly have seen you model that. You know, we asked, I think for the audience needs to know is that we don't just ask Mike random questions. We give Mike in any of our guests an understanding of where we're gonna go because we certainly want this to be productive. The question will be is how honest people will be and knowing you, Mike, you're 100% you're honest and probably, we're all very critical of ourselves. 
So I appreciate what you just offered because that's not from a leadership standpoint. Most of the leaders that I hear from are always, Hey, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to be right all the time. You got to this. And I learned in my own career as a battalion chief, man, if I don't surround myself with the right people, I'm going to go down pretty fast, especially in a high rise district of Chicago, trying to manage 150 people in, a, in an incident, whether it be five people or 150, you have to have a skill set and we have to do better. And I think you're doing that um, and showing in your behavior. And I think you probably do it probably more often than you, you, you probably care to think from a mentorship standpoint, right? Because I think you and Bobby mentored each other. Oh, and absolutely. I Go ahead. You will finish. Go ahead. Bobby. No, no, and again, is that um, you talk to so many different people and you probably don't really realize then or now the impact that you have on people. I would, I would imagine. I appreciate that. Um, but again, um, I have taken the time to study this. Uh, one of the books that I love and I'm just looking up on my desk is the audio version is Crucial Conversations, okay? Uh, and I loved that book, you know? Um, but I, early on in my life, I tended to go, and I mean, especially as a young fireman, you go from, um, you know, thinking to doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of times, especially the male brain, I think, can do one or the other, that fight or flight. You know, that um, I can be emotional or I can protect myself, but I can't think and fight at the same time. It becomes instinctive. So learning how to control those things and learning how to step back for a second and take a look at things and say, wait a second, you know, why is this person acting like this? Did I upset them? Did I insult them? Did I do something wrong or did they don't feel safe in our conversation? And I think that's all part of learning. And, you know, I joke it's growing up and um, I'm growing older. I still haven't grown up all the way because I'm still learning about some of these things that I wish I had learned when I was, you know, 20, but I'm still learning it. I'm still learning about some of the things that are out there. And um, I think it's very important that we keep broadening our horizons and learning about these things. Yeah, Mike, I just I just had an interview for deputy chief uh, position in my department. They brought this exact question up, any regrets? And like you, um, I mean, the how I treated people, how I treated other company officers, my relationships were, were definitely things that I would love to go back and redo. And I think for any of the young listeners um, that are tuning in today or are going to be listening to this later is like, and this lesson I try to share when I'm teaching at, at our ODA for our company officers is that slow down, take information in, try not to be so reactionary and, uh, and foster good relationships because ultimately in the end, you're, you're going to need those, you know, you're, you're going to need those relationships. And, um, and I think it's a maturity thing. 
And I don't know if it was the way that we were raised. Uh, you're older than, than Danny and I are, but um, I was raised in the 70s. And, and I don't know if it was just how we were raised in the 70s being the, you know, the generation that I was in and that we just missed this opportunity. But um, it is key relationship wise. So I, I agree wholeheartedly. Well, Mike, it was good to hear about how retirement has been because there's been a lot of people that have asked me, and I'll be honest, is I haven't had a bad day in retirement. I never had a bad day, or I, I had some tough days, but never a bad day in, in the fire service, and kind of same with, with retirement, but I always looked at the positive thing. Um, you hear of so many people that uh, didn't want to retire, or had to retire. Uh, I think you shared that one of the reasons you had to retire was because, you know, you, your knee. And, and um, a lot of times that can be a difficult transition when it's not wholly your choice. So to hear in, that you're in such a good place uh, is absolutely wonderful. Now, before I get to your, you know, we talked about any regrets, which I appreciate that. I'm going to ask you your best memory. But before I get there, I'm going to ask you kind of like a curveball question. And you kind of brought it up is about Bobby. You guys had, from my understanding and talking with you, you know, a brother, a true brother relationship. Um, what do you have to say about um Bobby and or how you feel with the loss of him and, and I think all our opinions too soon. Well, I think our loss is a collective loss from fire service. Um, I am, I believe in God uh, like Bobby did. And I honestly believe that my friend is in a better place, pain-free and not hurting anymore. And I believe that um, he is up there with uh, the other people that have gone before us. He's sitting at a table with Brunacini, Brennan, and Leo Stapleton, and they are cracking jokes, drinking coffee, and uh, talking politics and fire service and talking trash to each other, okay? Which um, is not a problem. I mean, I would give my left arm to hear Halt and say one more time, Dugan, you're an asshole. Okay, but it, it ain't gonna happen. But um, he left the world a better place for him being here. And he left the American Fire Service a much better place for him being here. Yeah. And I think that's all any of us can ask. I mean, he had three beautiful sons, um, a lovely wife who loved him. Uh, I know his sister, uh, Elizabeth, Beth, and his brother, Ray, live around the corner from me, as does his sister, Mary. And, you know, um, I, I see them occasionally, but um, it's just, it's, uh, he left us so much better for his, I mean, when I see firemen that I know, telling me what their daily stoic quote was for the day. If that doesn't say Halton to you all the time, 
you know, um, Bobby Seneca the Younger, Marcus Aurelius, and all these people that he loved, and their quotes, and all of that stuff. And um, I think it's a loss for us, but we so benefited from him being here that it's gonna, it's gonna outweigh the loss. Yeah, thanks for your thoughts on that, Mike. Um, I don't know if you have any comment, Rob. No, I, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Okay, so we'll switch gears a little bit. Okay. Um, give us your best memory, 27 years in the fire service. Um, we used to do a thing in my company and other companies in the city of New York did it. I was the captain and one of my guys was getting promoted and he was working his last couple of night tours. And we would go, I would ride backwards and take the irons and let him ride the front seat. And he would be on the, the radio as the captain of ladder 123. When I called on the radio, he'd be talking to his men and I would be teaching him a little bit about doing his job. And I loved doing that. And I remember one time we had a, one of the guys was getting promoted and we had a kick-ass job. And one of the guys looked at me and said, where is the hydro ram? The forcible door tool, the hydro ram. I said, if I need the hydro ram, I'm going to put in my retirement papers right now. Okay. I'm getting my fat ass through that door. Come <laughs> hook or crook with a set of irons in my ass. But we are getting through that door. And I loved that. Um, that was my memory as a captain, uh, as a fireman, was just the camaraderie, the brotherhood. I was talking about it the other day. I worked um, 4th of July in, I think it was 86, could have been 87, but it was 4th of July. I was ordered in on overtime as the junior man, but it was the Statue of Liberty Centennial. And after the fourth uh, of, after the tour, they didn't need me for the night tour. And we went down to the Statue of Liberty Centennial. And there were some seats, bleachers down by the Statue of Liberty on, um, on the park down there. And um, we were sitting right next to it. Now these people paid a thousand dollars for these seats because we had badges. We got right next to them. I was sitting there with six packs and drinking our beer and all that. And um, we had a great time. I mean, the brotherhood, uh, the camaraderie of being a fireman was great. The idea that you can mold individuals for the organization as a captain or a lieutenant is also just one of the best things that you can do as an officer. You can mold the future of the organization by the time you take with the young men and women working for you. Yeah, thanks, Mike. You, you you mentioned impact with Bobby, and and um, I mean, I got to say, you you have a huge impact on the American Fire Service as well. And I know you're a, you're a humble guy, and and um, but you're a you're Bennett Medal honoree, you're an Archer Medal honoree, um, and 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 I and I think of. And, and I have this photo in my office, uh, in our battalion office, but I think of the photo of you um, connecting the American flag to the street lamp. So not to be confused by the iconic photo that goes out that a lot of people see of the three firefighters where it looks like, you know, the, 
Iwo Jima, but, but, but I know this photo is out there and there's a lot of people that have it, but, um, and if you don't mind just talking a little bit, I mean, this could be emotional a little, a little bit, but, but what were your thoughts after 9-11, your experience in 9-11 that you're willing to share with us? Well, I mean, on 9-11 that day, uh, we put that flag up. Uh, a lot of people don't know one of the guys who was holding the ladder was Chris Angeltrum, who was uh, killed in uh, Iraq by an IED with the Fighting 69th, the New York, the Irish Brigade, uh, and our VFW post is named after Chris Engeldrum. And since Chris Engeldrum, we have lost three more members of the FDMY uh, in service. They were KIA, killed in action in defending our nation. Um, so uh, I think for me, and I am the son of a father, Okay, um, I am the son of a man who flew 65 missions over hostile territory in a bomber. And um, I think that uh, we have lost the respect of this flag that's right behind me. And I always keep the flag behind me because of my love for this country, what it has done for me, what it has done for my family. Um, I think that we have to understand that there are young men and women out there putting their lives at risk for us. So, I mean, that picture, I mean, Chris Engeldrum was there. He's the one who went and paid the ultimate price for our freedom. Now, there are also always perspectives on everything you do. That picture made the news and uh, it's a lot of places. And the next day it was on um, in the Daily News, the, the photographer was Andrew Savulich. And then the following week, it was on U.S. News and World Report. Uh, it was on WNYF. It was on Reader's Digest. And I got a call from my old man. And there's always a perspective, a uh, paradigm. And the first thing he said to me is, hey, asshole, the flag's backwards. And I said, but Pop, it's not. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, the flag is pointing towards north, as close as we can get it to north. And he goes, oh, and I said, the photographer came around the other way to get the picture. And he said, well, then the photographer's an asshole. And I said, well, I'll accept that. I'll accept that. Okay. But I, you know, there's always a perspective on what you do. Okay. Now, that's the photo. That's a moment in time. And I tell this to everybody who asks about it. I asked the photographer if he knew what time that picture was taken, because I have no concept of time that day, no concept of time. And he said, no, the only thing he told me is if you look closely at the picture, you can see seven is still standing in the background. Seven World Trade Center is still standing in the background. So seven was still standing. So uh, it has to be before like 1130 or 12 when that building finally came down. But besides that, I don't know. My post 9-11 experience is um, different because um, I was down there on 9-11 and finally got self-service back and let my wife know what was going on. 
And, you know, probably 4.30 in the afternoon, she was in college at the time. The girls were in school. And I told her I was going down there. I called her when the, they happened in the morning, at, you know, nine something. I was at the fire academy. We're going down on a bus. And she had no idea if I was alive or dead. And um, I finally got through <clears throat> on the phone about, I got cell service back about four o'clock, 4.30 in the afternoon. And I called home and my neighbor across the street answers the phone, Al Quinn. And I'm like, hey, Al, it's Mike. He goes, hey, Mike, how are you? I said, I'm okay, I'm okay. And he goes, I go, just let me, you know, he goes, fuck no, excuse me, but this was the real deal. He goes, you're not hanging up this phone. She's outside with the girls are riding their bicycle. You're not hanging up this phone until I get her on this phone. You, until she talks to you, you are not hanging up. And he goes running out, he's waving to my wife. She comes in, we talk. And then probably 10, 30, 11 o'clock, get a phone call. It might've even been a little earlier. It might've been like 9.30, get a phone call. Hey, where are you? I said, I'm down at ground zero. Okay, well, go home, get some sleep. You got to work for 24 hours tomorrow. You're on duty. And like, oh, shoot. So I ended up going to... Um, 231, 120, uh, Watkins Street, great firehouse, and manned a company from New Jersey that were in an area that was full of projects and they had never hooked up to a standpipe before. So you see the whole world. And then afterwards, I was 24 on, 24 off for a while. And then we went to an ABC, 24 on, 48 off. But one day I had four funerals of people I worked with the same day. And I ended up needing help. I ended up needing therapy um, in late November, early December. Um, my daughter was six at the time, gonna be seven. Asked me why I was always angry, why I was always mad. And I was like, what? And my wife told me, you know, the kid's kind of scared of you. You fly off the handle. So I had to go get help. So um, my post 9-11 experience is that I don't care how big, how tough, how resilient you are. At some point, every one of us is going to need somebody to talk to. Find that person. Okay, because at the time I was not taking care of myself. I was not doing the right thing. I was going up and I was getting a beer, but because I didn't want to get up that many times, I'd get two beers and walk back with two silver bullets, two coarse lights, sit down, drink a both, 10 minutes later, get up and get two more. And again, um, what we don't realize as firefighters and fire officers is when we come home in that firehouse brain, in that firehouse stress and everything else, unless we take time to compartmentalize it, to put it away, unless we take the time, whether it's on your ride home or whatever else, we take that to our families and our wives and kids get that. And it's not always good. And that's why a lot of guys end up with problems in their lives and you know finding someone to communicate with to talk to to be able to process it is very very important
Mike, you bring up a, you know, a really why Bobby wanted us to do this show. Um, I appreciate the fact that you went there and offered from your own experience because I actually have, I'd rather tell people about my imperfections than my perfections these days from a leadership standpoint. And I probably have way more holes in me than, than solid pieces. You bring up a thing that I had to learn through my own therapy is that I call it transition time. I, I, I didn't do well transitioning. And I kind of shared with you earlier that from a writing standpoint, and you, when you write, you have to, you know, introduction, body, conclusion, and then you have to have transitions in between. I sucked at those too. Um, but the one that was more important was my ability to go from work to home. And then we talked also about working and retirement, which again, nobody is, excuse me, sorry, nobody's perfect. We're all very fallible. And I had to learn that exact thing is that when I'm coming home, it's not necessarily to ride home in Chicago or New York or where, you know Boston or wherever tough area that you have to tra you know, traverse. But these days, I'll sit in my driveway for three to five minutes. I'll take the long way into the house for a couple of minutes. And even when I walk in the front door, I'll say, you know, good morning or good afternoon or, or, or something. But we've had a conversation that I probably will need an additional 10, 15, 20 minutes so really, as, the, as we know from the fire service, is decon uh, mentally and, and physically. Like my wife always tells me, I'm going to make a joke about this because take my clothes off. Well, from the fire service, I wish it was always for the other reason. But it's like, don't bring that stuff in the house, right? Take your shoes off. I'm like, that's, that's my friggin' house. I could walk around the house with muddy feet. And she's like, no, you can't. My wife says, hi, by the way, Mike, you know, all five foot three and 102 pounds of her, but she's 100 percent German. And what we never think about from our brains. I don't think anybody did, all of us included, but no one taught us that process. So you bringing that up and offering that. Um, it, it's so important to be able to have that transition Number one thing in regards to hazmat, right? Don't start hazmat unless you have decon set up. And why is that? Because if something goes to hell or you get um, contaminated, we need to get that stuff off you. But we don't look at it from a, and I'm using mental health, it, it should be a positive thing. Um, the good news is, is that you, Rob, Fools, Bobby, Fire Engineering, me to a part, we're talking about this. And what I also want to say is that, you know, suicide, substance abuse, um, relationships, there are some unfortunate things that happen to people throughout our career, line of duty this. But what I would like to also say, and I, I want you both to chime in on this, the greater majority of us are pretty freaking cool, right? I mean, people like us. And if we, take care of ourselves and be intentional like you have been, we can stay pretty good and pretty cool and people will want to be around us. Like my wife loves me, but she didn't always like me. 
she likes me now. And I'm more proud of that because I have to every single day do something to make that happen. Because all it does is take a couple of bad minutes with Dan to make her not like me. <laughs> but for the most part, a lot of us are pretty damn specialized, uh, talented, skilled, and are going to have su- successful careers and retirements. That's the, that's the good thing about the American Fire Service. That's the great thing. You're 100% right. And it's the great thing. But again, we have to allow ourselves to get to retirement. We have to allow ourselves to admit that we're human. And sometimes we can't handle it all by ourselves. We're firefighters. We want to fix everything. And sometimes we can't fix everything. And we've all been married for a while to our wives. Okay. Sometimes my wife doesn't want me to say a word. Just listen. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to make it better. Don't try to paint it. Don't try to put it away. Listen to me. Okay. And again, do these things. Um, It's so important uh, for the young guys, you know, just time for your wife, time to do things. Take the kids on a special daddy, son, daddy, daughter date, or take them camping with the, the father and kids camping trip in a firehouse. Let the moms all get together and have a party. Well, how great is that? You know, now, the, now we can't talk. We can't forget about the fact that many of the uh, firefighters also are females, too. And then a lot of the uh, husbands are at home moms. So the other side of that, right, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, whatever it is, um, you just have to be willing to take the time with that significant other, the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with, well, try to spend some time with them and spend some quality time with them. I think, I think, you know, Danny and I have talked about this, about um, his, uh, I don't want to say previous life, but earlier life and challenges family wise. And, and, um, and I, you know, I had the same thing and it's, and it's those of us that are, truly engaged in a lot of the things that we do um you know danny being on the fire department and and uh, with rosecrans and everything that goes on in in his in his background life um and i'm with the fools and teaching and you know you just get really really busy and and it's almost like you got to screw some shit up to get to the point where you understand what you need to do right you know and and i think as I'm later into my career now and almost close to retirement, uh, I think I'm a better husband and a better father now than I was 15, 20 years ago. And, uh, and some of it is, is you gotta, you gotta screw it up. And, and I mean, if there's to your point, Mike, if, if there's something we could tell the younger firefighters is, is to, to see this, learn these lessons and try to avoid repeating what, what we're, our, what we've already done. And we're telling you, just avoid it, avoid it, you know. Avoid it, yeah. You know, why? And very honestly, you know, how many of the guys that we know have screwed that up on their first marriage and destroyed their first marriage because of that? You know, and guys and girls, and it's the same thing. You know, there's got to be, and again, there's got to be like a work-life balance if you want to do this. And be 
in a stable relationship. And I saw something recently with some guy talking about people with, you know, do you think Bill Gates had a work-life balance? Probably not. Do you think Elon Musk has a work-life balance? Probably not. Do you think Steve Jobs, when he was alive, had a work-life balance? Probably not. Now, they're very, very successful people. But if you want to do this and do this with a family and do this with, if you want to be by yourself and jump into this and be the, the number one student, you want to be volunteering for everything. I mean, the New York City Fire Department, you can go to a party at night if you wanted to. There were things going on all over. You can join all the different societies. You can join the, you know, um, the Emerald Society, the Steuben Society. You can go on a boat ride. You can go on, you know, this. There's the boxing tournament. There's this. You can go to this thing. There's the hockey game. There's a baseball game. There's a cross game. You can do all of that stuff and be to a party every day. But what's going to be at home when you get at home? Nothing. So it depends on what you want. And you have to answer those questions to yourself. So, Mike, um, I know we got about 10 or so minutes left, uh, unless Peter knocks us off. Uh, Early? Yeah, I don't think Peter will do that. Uh, okay. But, so, long career, um, elder statesman here, a uh, lot of personal life, a lot of professional experience. You've probably been on, and I'm going to, 10, 20,000 runs in your career, both. Uh, I don't know if you ever did any um, ride-alongs with other people or you did stuff. And uh, I know some people do that. Uh, some people volunteer, but in, in New York, I can imagine that you had a, a significant amount of calls and let's just, you know, thousands of, of runs. I know for me, I can't put a number on it. Uh, in my personal and professional life, Rob and I talk about this when we do get together when he's not in um, Italy uh, drinking wine in a vineyard or in Vegas laying in his pool because he won't talk to me or anybody else except his bride during that time. Uh, that was a shot, Rob. Um, I got it. I, I've had, I could recall even by asking this question, a couple of incidences both personally and professionally, that I wish I had a do-over. Um, I, I don't think anybody can go through life without some sort of regret. What I do offer to people is don't spend a ton of time there. there are, those are memories, just like some of the good memories you offered. Uh, one of the toughest things to overcome uh, from a behavioral health standpoint, a mental health standpoint, is survivor's guilt feeling guilty or shame about something that we didn't do. But in our career, it's, it's not moving a decimal point over or loading a package the wrong way. Sometimes it comes in life or death. Is there anything that you can offer that if you can do it again, you'd like a do-over? Um, there were a couple of things um, in, my, um, in my professional life. There are a couple of things I wish I had um, done better, um, been more akin to. Um, I wish I had um, my biggest regret 
as a firefighter is as a young firefighter, not starting a journal. I wish I had started a journal and written down and it's not, you know, um, I think the brotherhood and sisterhood pictures are the greatest thing out there. I have a bunch of them throughout my house that I have for me. I don't think we should be high-fiving each other on the front lawn of someone's burnt out house, but taking a picture in front of the apparatus after the fire and remembering those people that you were with at that point in your life. I think, I wish I had done a little bit more of that, recorded the runs. Uh, my first run as a lieutenant, my first run as a captain, uh, my first fire as a lieutenant, my first fire as a captain. I wish I had recorded those things better and the people I worked with and who was there. Um, that was a lot in my um, personal life and it kind of goes into professional also. I graduated uh, college with an associate's degree in 1976. I wish I had gone back to school. Um, I wish I had gotten a college degree, you know, a bachelor's and I wish I had gone back to school. And then when the time came for me to think about it, I had two kids that were going to college and I had two kids in college at the same time. And one in a master's program and one in a regular program and I couldn't afford it. So um, I wish I would, I wish I would have gotten my degree. Um, that, that haunts me. Um, I love education, I love reading, I love, so I wish I would have done that, okay? Um, but these are things that, you know, uh, there are a lot of things um, that I have done in my life. And, you know, before I did the fire department, I was working as a, a machine remover, a millwright and a rigger and rigging things. And, and I thought I was gonna be doing that for the rest of my life. And um, then the economy kind of collapsed in 79, 80 in New York City. And uh, I needed uh, benefits, I needed health insurance. And that's when I went on the NYPD and then took the FDNY from there. But I mean, it was all, um, I always say, should I have done it better earlier? Should I have tried earlier? But then the path I took would have been a different path. So I wouldn't have gotten where I was now on that different path. So, I mean, hindsight is always 2020, but the hindsight will only teach you what you want to let it teach you, uh, what you want to, you know, what you wish you did different and everything else. Um, so I don't really let those things haunt me as much as some people do, because I think that, you know, it's what happened um, when I had a chance to take a chief's test um, before you needed college to be a battalion chief in the city of New York. I stopped studying because my wife's mom was sick and was dying. And um, I couldn't leave my kids with a babysitter while my wife was at the hospital to go study with a group of guys to study for battalion chief. I just couldn't do that to my wife. It wasn't fair. So I made a decision to quit. And I lived with it the rest of my life. And that's fine. And very honestly, I think about it now. And I say, well, what ifs? If I had decided to continue paying the babysitter and going and studying and I became a chief, on 9-11, I might have been one of those chiefs in lower Manhattan. So you never know. So who knows what would happen? So I just, you know, um, 
I don't let the past is the past and I don't let the past um, haunt me because I did what I thought was right at the time. It's like being a fireman. If you decide which way you're going to take the ladder, what way you're going to get into the building, you go that way. If you make a mistake, you learn from it and move on and don't make the mistake, mistake same mistake the second time. Thanks for that, Mike. That's uh, that's great advice. Although the second time you do it, if you were the captain, the, the guy or girl would have got a boot in the ass, right? Second time, yes. Yep. You do the same thing twice. First time, okay, not a problem. Second time, yes. Yeah, Mike, um, you know, you, you, you mentioned how um, – not taking the test and making these decisions and, and earlier in the conversation we're talking a lot about family. And so I'm not surprised. This is the first time I heard that uh, you chose not to take the, the chief's test because of something like that. So I appreciate you sharing that. And, uh, and, and I, and I'm not surprised by that knowing you and, and that it is, it is something that is important to you. And, and then I would just say that uh, be it that you're religious or not, I think things happen for a reason or, you know, God is, is, is steering our lives. And so this, this journey, your journey is made up of all of these things, the decision not to, to do the BC's test. And if you would have done the BC's test, as you said, you may have been a, a battalion chief down in lower Manhattan, your life, your, your personal life may have changed. And, and so um, I, I think it's important to, we do things the way that we want to do things because they, they happen for a reason. Um, but what we're kind of winding down here, but what do you do to, in your day to day to uh, to manage your wellness? Um, I know you gave up drinking a while ago, and I don't know if that's part of your your well, mental health wellness or anything. I I just kind of I didn't go into the program, and I want to make this clear. I will still have a drink now. I got to be quiet, but because um, no, um, we're going down to. Um, the um to nassau for our 37th wedding anniversary and i booked a uh, sunset dinner on the beach for two for my wife and i but she doesn't know about us and we're going to be at the sunset on the table right at the edge of the um the water with our own private waiter and the whole thing and it comes with a bottle of wine i'll have a drink of wine with her to celebrate that i just don't drink like i used to Okay, I didn't go into AA. I have a lot of family members in AA and I'm all for it if it's becoming a problem. I just didn't like the idea that I was becoming known as someone who drank a lot. And I didn't like going to places where people said, oh, I heard you like to drink a lot and we're gonna get you hammered. And I don't like that. I didn't think that was responsible. And I kind of equated to um, one of my, the guys I love is Shaquille O'Neal. And I asked Shaquille O'Neal, you don't drink? And he goes, no, 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 I don't drink in public. I don't want anybody to see me drinking because I don't want to hurt the brand. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of, I don't drink when I'm going out to firefighting conventions and everything else because I don't want to get a reputation as one of those guys who goes out there and is out sitting in the bar after the class getting hammered. And I did that for a while. And I did that for a while. So my personal illness, uh, my wife and I are trying to go to the gym uh, four to five days a week. She's having some knee problems, so we're working on that. 
but um, I also spend a little time each day reading and I give myself permission every day if I feel like it to take a nap, you know, and uh, all of those things are part of your wellness, how you feel. Uh, I try to go to bed at a reasonable hour. Sometimes I'm reading and I look up and I'm like, holy shit, it's midnight already? What are you doing here? Go to bed. And I'm like, yeah, but this is so good. All right, I'll eat another half hour. What's the end of the chapter? You know, whatever. But I try to spend some time on myself. Uh, I try to eat healthy, healthier than I have. A lot of times the firehouse is not a good place for healthy eating. You have to learn around that. I mean, ice cream is one of my favorite things in the world, so it's not in my house. And uh, you just try to, you know, work out, spend some time thinking about yourself, whether you meditate, whether you pray, whatever you do, and just take some time for yourself so that you feel good about yourself. That's, uh, that's wonderful. What, what I do hear you say is um, you're intentional about it. I think we all know at our ages, right, Rob, that, uh, you know, when we were kids and I mean, throw anything at us and we just did whatever we ate, whatever we ate as little or as much. And it, it we kind of landed where we did. And, you know, you look at the serenity prayer, or if, if you're familiar with the serenity prayer, the wisdom to know the difference comes at the end. Uh, you know, if it only came earlier in our in our lives how many scars i would have avoided um i mean that applies to to all of us but we always say that uh for firefighters we'll we'll figure out what we want to do in life or when we'll grow up once we retire we'll, you know after the the fun and games um i want to i want to be clear and i think rob is and mike you said it as well as i and, and bob you knew this uh, the American Fire Service is is the best job in the world. Some of us lose sight of it for different reasons. And I just did a, a couple presentations and I and I said, I'm not here to tell you you're doing anything wrong because I know how, how it's received. Sometimes when people told me I was doing things wrong, I, I told them, you know, the old adage, good for you, you know what that stands for. Um, nobody wants to be told what to do, but um we have to be uh, intentional and we really weren't and nobody kind of told us that early in our career to, you know, eat better and, and take a minute to yourself and tell your spouse you, you, and your kids that you, you loved them. You did it and you showed in a certain way you thought we thought, at least I did, thought I did by putting a roof over their head make food, all that stuff that our parents taught us, but really what they want is connection. And that's the same that um, really anybody wants, but for the greater majority of the fire service, man, is it, is it wonderful? And, and we get to do wonderful things to, to help and save people. The, the, the unfortunate thing is from overexposure, just like the wind, the rain, the cold and the heat, you get an effect, right? Uh, I personally, I know Rob does because we talked about it is when we think about who we're going to have on as a guest. Um, we, we really appreciate everybody and, and you, especially here currently, to talk about this stuff, offer your personal insight, to talk about Bobby, 
Um, last thing I want to ask you uh, before we sign off is I've had a couple conversations with Bobby since he's passed. And I think I, uh, my thoughts with Bobby is that many people get to meet him. Some people know him, right? And then there's few like yourself that really were brothers and, and true companions. Um, while I've had many conversations with him, I remember uh, the, the, the kindest thing he ever said to me when I knew that we were friends was that same word that you mentioned. <laughs> you know, he, he actually said, Dan, I hate you. Because that that kind of told you that we were being personal, not the superficial stuff that most people are are like. And that's what this conversation is about. So thanks for going there. What what have you said to Bobby since he has passed? Oh, I've talked to him a lot because um, we used to um, text back and forth. We talked at least. Um, at least once a week, but most times twice a week about uh, the different things going on in our country. And about, uh, we talked about politics, we talked about religion, we talked about reading, and um, we talked about the American Fire Service and some of the stuff uh, going on. And um, I just, um, I've talked to him about wishing I could have this counsel on some of the things I'm seeing going on. Um, and how um, it's, I'm so glad that he was here and that we had our time, but I still wish he was here every day. And I just, you know, I miss my friend. So I miss my sounding board. I miss my, um, you know, it's almost like a reflection, but it's a reflection that will be honest with you. Okay. Mm -hmm. The easiest person for me to lie to is me. Okay, Walton and I never lied to each other. And uh, so having that sounding board is so important, that person. And there are other people in my life like that. I mean, I still talk to David Rhodes all the time. I talk to Mike Galliano all the time. But having that person on the other side of that wall who will tell you the truth is so vitally important to each and every one of us. Uh, if you don't have that, find that person. Thanks, Mike. Robbie, you want to sign us out? Yeah. Well, uh, Mike, it's been, you know, you're a great brother. I love you, man. And Thank you, um, dude, I, I really do appreciate all these years, our relationship. Um, and I appreciate you sharing some of the, you know, most personal things in your life. Um, your impact Bobby's had on you, your relationship with Bobby and such, and uh, everything you've given back to the American Fire Service. Um, what's the easy ways to get a hold of you for those that you know that are under a rock that don't know who Mike um, Dugan is? You can find me on uh, Facebook uh, at Captain Dugan. You can find my website is CaptainDugan.com. Um, you can find me real simple. My email, I'm old, yes, is Dugan Fire, D-U-G-A-N-F-I-R-E at AOL. Okay, so <laughs> yes, I am old. Okay. So I don't like change either. <laughs> There's not too many people that have AOL anymore. <laughs> no, me, Galliano. Yeah, you're going to be. You're going to be at. F you're going to be at FDIC. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. I'll see you all there.
All right, brother. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining in with us. Uh, I don't know the exact date, but uh, we're a few weeks out, if not a month or so out. Oh, we're going to be at FDIC doing a live show there as well. Danny and I are. And uh, I think uh, Frank Lito is going to be with us, if I remember correctly, Danny. Yep. Yep. And uh, but we uh, we love we love the, the opportunity to be able to have this platform here. Thank you, Clarion Fire Engineering and uh, the late, great Bobby Halton. He's the one that pulled us in on this. And so, everybody, we thank you and uh, be smart out there. And uh, we'll see you at FDIC.